Everybody who is 30 years old or younger, lift up your hands. 30 years old or younger, hold them up high. Lift them up high. Dear Lord, many of the young people in the choir are 30 years old or younger. Many of the audience are 30 years old or younger. I feel impressed to pray for them today because they are the future of the church. They are the targets of the devil's attack. The devil is trying to destroy them so they will not win the world for you. Dear Lord, I ask your blessing upon them. Keep them in the center of your will. Let your spirit be resting upon them constantly. Guide them and direct them in all that they will do. We're thankful for them. And we pray, dear Lord, that you take them higher and higher in your will. And dear Lord, everybody else, I pray that you'll bless them today as we delve into your word. That you'll speak to our hearts and that our hearts will be renewed and strengthened and enlightened by the presence of your spirit. Let the Holy Ghost move in this place and bless us as we worship your name in Jesus' name. Thank God. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and give praise to the Lord. I'm so glad to see all of you, and I've enjoyed these young people so much. Have we enjoyed them? Give them a rousing applause. I was not out, but in our 8 o'clock service, we had the invocation of the opening prayer and the scripture lesson was read. Uh, two of our young people less than 12 years old. And they led us in worship. And I just thank God for the way the Lord is putting our young people forward. I don't call them the church of tomorrow. I call them the church of today. Because they're so important to influence the world toward God and toward goodness. I've spoken on... Two of the furnishings, three of the furnishings that were in the court of the tabernacle or in the tabernacle itself talked about the bronze altar, the altar of sacrifice, where they came and brought their sacrifices and offered them unto their Lord for the atonement of their sins. The sins were forgiven at the altar, the bronze altar. Then we talked about the laver or the lava where they would go to wash and cleanse themselves and make themselves ready to come before the Lord in worship. We talked about the showbread table or the table of bread where they represented the people of the Lord before the face of God constantly. We've also shared about the lampstand, and this is the second message that we'll be presenting on the lampstand on today, Exodus 25 and 31. You shall also make a lampstand of pure gold. The lampstand shall be of hammered work. Its shaft, its branches, its bowls, its ornamental knobs, its flowers shall be of one piece. And six branches shall come out of its sides, three branches of the lampstand on one side and three branches of the lampstand on the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower, 
The three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental flower, knob and flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand, verse 37, you shall make seven lamps for it. And they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it. And its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold. It shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils. And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown to you on the mountain. You may be seated. In our first message on the lampstand, and incidentally, each of these items that were in the court, in the holy place, and in the most holy place, are representative of an aspect of our relationship to God, what God is to us, and what we are and do for and to him. And this is our second message on the lampstand. In the first message, we stress the relationship between light and fire. And we indicated the pro probability that ancient man, unlike most of us, equated fire with light and light with fire. Without fire, there is no light. And it is very seldom that we are consciously dependent on fire for light. For us, light is usually as easy as flipping a switch, turning a knob. But we also observed that fire in ancient days was not as easily ignited and controlled as it is on today. They had no matches. I was just thinking how long it's been since I've seen a match. Forty years ago, matches were common. You never saw a house without matches. But I imagine there are many of you whose house doesn't have not even one match in it. They had no lighters, and since you don't smoke, you don't need lighters anyway. No electric ignition switches or devices. They either had to use crude flint rocks or rub dry sticks together or start one fire from another existing fire. Leviticus 9.24 tells us that when Moses and the priests were ministering at the brazen altar in the court of the tabernacle, fire came out from the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat upon the altar. This fire from heaven merged and mixed itself with the fire that had already been burning on the altar and gave that fire a new nature. This is what God had commanded in Leviticus 6 and 13. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. This fire that God set down from heaven was to be maintained by them. They were never to let it go out because they had no fire of their own that would have the power and the sacredness and the meaning of the fire that God had sent from heaven. So when God sends the fire, keep the fire burning. God's fire alone was to be used in God's service and in God's worship. Any other ceremonial fires could be started from that fire that God 
had started. There were two young priests, Nadab and Abihu. They neglected this command and used fire from some other source to burn incense before the Lord. And fire came down from God out of heaven and destroyed them. It's inconceivable that the fire for the lampstand and the altar of incense would come from any other source than the fire that had ever burned upon the brazen altar that had been sent by God himself. And we stress the importance of our worship being energized, directed by the Spirit of God, and focused on the Spirit of God. That God said, use my fire, was his way of saying, listen, when you worship me, worship me in my spirit, by my power, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, being led by the Spirit of God as you worship. No carnal worship, no fleshly worship, but spiritual worship is what the Lord seeks. Jesus said the day is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. But Nadab and Abihu brought some strange fire and offered it before the Lord. And the Lord destroyed them because of their obedience to using the fire that the Lord had given to them. And so the Jewish name for the lampstand is the menorah. Some translations call it the candlestick. It was not a candlestick because it had no candles. It was made up of seven oil-fueled lamps. And one flame burned in the middle branch and flames burned on each of the three branches on either side. God is a God of light. And God always provides his children with light. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And when the children of Israel journeyed from Egypt, he gave them a cloud of fire to warm them and to light their way. And in the tabernacle, he provided for them a light started from his own fire from heaven, fueled by olive oil, that is a symbol of the Spirit of God. And light was an indication that God would also give them spiritual and moral light. God does not want us stumbling and struggling in the darkness. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light under my pathway. You don't have to grope and search and struggle your way through life. God has given his word. And the Bible says that the word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. You don't have to grope and stumble in the darkness. I know some of you all have gotten up at night and tried to find that particular room that you were looking for and the light was out and you not only bumped into stuff trying to find your way, but because you lost your direction in the dark, you found yourself in the closet when you intended to be in the bathroom. Uh-huh, somebody's been there, I know. The lampstand was made from pure gold, hammered into shape. Everything in the court was made out of brass. When you went into the holy place, everything in the holy place was either covered with gold or made out of gold. Isn't it wonderful to make progress in your life? And you might have started off with a silver credit card and then you got a gold and then you moved on to a platinum or else your frequent flyer club elevated you. The Lord indicates that we should go from height to height and from level to level. 
in him. So the lampstand was made out of pure gold, and it was hammered into shape. Tell your neighbor it was hammered. Weighed about 100 pounds or more. And the lampstand represents many metaphors and symbols to us. On each branch of the lampstand were golden buds and flowers and fruit almonds from the almond tree. Thus the lampstand was an expression of God's grace and God's mercy extended to the high priest Aaron and his sons who were priests of God. Numbers chapter 16, there were a series of rebellions and a series of rejections of leadership to Moses and Aaron. The ground opened up and swallowed the tents of three of the rebellion leaders and 250 men who participated in a rebellion against God's leader were destroyed by fire from heaven. After this, all the Israelites began to murmur and complain. They fussed about God's action and God's justice and God's wrath. And finally, the Lord instructed Moses to take 12 rods from an almond tree and place the name of one of the 12 tribes on each of those 12 rods that he had taken from the almond tree. On the 12th rod, he put the name Aaron, who was the high priest, as a representative of the tribe of Levi. And Moses informed them and acted to put those 12 rods inside the tabernacle and left them there overnight. And he said, listen, the rod that buds and bears fruit and branches is the rod of the one that God has chosen. And sure enough, Aaron's rod the next morning had fruit, had branches, had leaves on it. The other rods were as they had been, just simple rods looking like walking sticks. And God said, this is God's signal to you that Aaron is the one that I've chosen. And it should be kept as a sign against the rebels that you put your complaints away from me, lest you die. The lampstand with buds and flowers and fruit was a reminder to the Israelites to respect God's leaders in the role that God had placed them, to honor those who delivered to them the word of God and who carried their sacrifices before God into the tabernacle. Not because Aaron was all that smart. Not because Aaron was all that great. Aaron was just a man like they were. But God had chosen him. And when God chooses somebody for a role, you ought to honor them in the role for which the Lord has selected them. Aaron was sometimes a weak-willed, impulsive person. He had allowed the people to talk him into fashioning an idol god. And in Numbers 12, he and his sister Miriam had complained against Moses because Moses had married a black woman. Listen, you leave anybody that marries a black woman alone. You get in trouble with the Lord messing with a black woman. But despite Aaron's record, God chose him just the same. And then God worked wonderful miracles for Aaron. None of us deserve the blessings of God. And God has every uh, justification in passing over us. But just the same, though he could have passed easily over us, the Lord loved us and had mercy on us. If you're glad the Lord chose you, clap your hands and praise God. When God chooses you for something, you don't have to argue with folk, fuss with folk, fight folk. 
If God has chosen you, God will make your rod bud, blossom, and bear fruit. God will elevate you in the eyes of God's people. Every time Aaron would look at that candlestick, he was reminded of the grace of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Also, this almond tree was the first of all the trees to bud every spring in Palestine. It was a symbol of resurrection, the symbol of hope. And thus the lampstand bearing olives and olive branches and so on was the symbol of resurrection and new life. And thus it becomes a symbol of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was the first fruit of them that slept. He had been crucified. Nails had been driven into his hands and feet. He had been pierced in the side. A crown of thorns had crushed into his skull. He was buried until the third day, but on the third day morning, Jesus stepped forth from the grave alive and well. You remember I said a moment ago that the lampstand was made from hammered gold. That was gold that was fashioned, not in a mold, not by being melted, but by being hammered into the shape that the sculpture desired that it was to take. And in the same sense, Jesus Christ had nails hammered into his hands and hammered into his feet. He died on your behalf and on my behalf. Isaiah 53 and 4 says, Surely he has borne our grief, carried our sorrows. We esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So the lampstand was hammered. And it was not just hammered, it was hammered gold. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus died for our sins, but he rose again from the dead. The lampstand had seven branches, and each had its own separate flame. And seven is the number of perfection, the number of completeness. Thus the lampstand is again the symbol of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ was perfect and Jesus was complete. Let the church say amen. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the perfect messenger, the perfect representation, the perfect word of God to us. He was not only man, but he was also God in flesh. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. We are the church of God in Christ. We are the church that believes that God was in Christ Jesus. Are there any church of God in Christ folk here today? The lampstand was the only open light, a flame, in the tabernacle. And without the lampstand, the tabernacle would have been completely dark. And without Jesus Christ, our world would be completely dark. Without Jesus, our world is dark. This is a day of trouble. 
In our world, there's distress. There's confusion. There's sorrow. Discord is everywhere. Nobody is safe. No place is secure. War seems to be our hobby, the game that we love to play. The races are drifting further apart, opposing and fighting one another. Discord is being sown everywhere. Our world is dark. Because of sin, our world is dark. The Bible always considers the sinner to be in darkness. He's morally blind. He does not choose the right pathway. He's in darkness because he goes in the wrong direction. He heads for the wrong destination. The sinner is in darkness because though he tries to find joy, tries to find happiness, he finds only sorrow and trouble. The sinner is in darkness because light can only come from God. And without God, there can only be darkness. And so in Isaiah's day, they look for idols. And today, men look to idols of education and science and power and pleasure for light. And they still dwell in darkness. But Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22, Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they'll be driven into darkness. But then in chapter 9 and verse 2 of Isaiah, the Bible says the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. And those who dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them the light has shined. And then in Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then let's go on over into the New Testament, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Jesus said, if you're in darkness and you want light, all you have to do is just follow me. Believe on me, and you'll not walk in darkness. You'll walk in the light. Is there anybody walking in the light today? Jesus does not come into your life and leave you in darkness. Once you meet him, he becomes the light of the world to you. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is the light of the world. Light is the essential condition of sight. And without the action of light, our optic nerves become ineffective. But once light enters the pupil of the eye and is focused on the retina, then the optic nerve activates and transports the image to the brain. And in the same way, there's a part of you and I that never really lives and is never active until it has been activated by Jesus Christ. Come on, tell your neighbor, there's a part of you and me that is never alive and active until it's activated by Jesus Christ. Never knew joy before until I met the Lord. But now I found him, and I'm glad. And I never will be sad. I've tasted of the love divine, and he's in this heart of mine. I found him, and I've glad. Is there anybody out there that has found the Lord? You're never complete. You're never fully equipped. You're never fully alive until you know Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus could say, I'm come, that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. He quickens us who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's the light that brings our moral capacities into action. 
And listen, without Jesus, you're just half alive. I'm come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. How many of you want that abundant life? How many of you are glad for abundant life? And so Jesus is the light of the world. And this menorah, this, this, this lampstand represents Jesus Christ. He's the light of the world because he enables us to know what God is like. Before Jesus, God was a source of fear. God was a source of terror. We felt that God might punish us or destroy us at any time. But when the light of Jesus was focused on the face of God, we learned that God was a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of compassion. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He shows God to us because he is God. His name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And so Jesus shows us God because he's God, because he's God's word to us. God, who a sundry time spake by the prophets, now has spoken to us by his Son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus is the light of the world because he throws the light on evil. Men no longer have a covering of darkness. And Jesus said, this is the condemnation, that men love darkness rather than light even though the light has already come into the world. Jesus is the light of the world because he helps us to see ourselves. We never see ourselves like we do when Jesus shows us ourselves. Isaiah was in the temple. There had been a terrible tragedy in the kingdom. He was there meditating and thinking. But while he was in the temple in the year that you in the year that King Uzziah died, he saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the seraphim were flying to and fro. They were crying, "Holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts, and the whole earth is full of his glory." In the presence of the Lord, Isaiah saw himself. He threw up his hands and said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. And the Lord sent the angel over to the altar. The angel got a hot coal of fire, brought it over and touched Isaiah's lips with it, and said, This has touched your lips. Your iniquity is purged. Your sin is forgiven. Isaiah threw up his hands and said, Here am I. Lord, send me in the midst of the holiness of God. Isaiah saw himself in the presence of Jesus. We're able to see ourselves. Jesus is the light of the world because the fire of his love will consume sin and evil in our lives. The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Jesus is the light of the world because he helps us to see what's real and what's false. 
Too long have we chased after hallucinations and chased after dreams. But the light shows that what the world offers is phony and transitory. And the Bible says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and spend your money for that which is not satisfying? But Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Jesus is the light because he shows us the best pathway toward our destination. Life has many pitfalls. Life has many detours, and David would not depend on himself. He would not seek the way on his own, but he looked up toward God and said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Hallelujah. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my pathway. And then Jesus came along, and he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the song says, walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world because he brightens up every situation. I don't care how depressed you might be. I don't care how discouraged you are. I don't care how low you feel. When Jesus shows up, the burden gets lighter. The cares become more bearable. Joy and peace come when Jesus shows up. Yes. Oh, yes, it does. Come on and praise him. Hallelujah. Somebody said, if Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. It's heaven to me wherever I be. If Jesus is there, I count it a privilege, his cross to bear. If Jesus goes with me, I'll go anywhere. Don't you love him today? Jesus, Jesus is the light of the world because everybody he meets, he turns them on. He shares with us his quality of light. If you want to be turned on, don't get heroin or marijuana. Find Jesus. Jesus will turn you on. He was born in a manger, reached up, touched the star, turned it on. The wise men saw it and came from afar to worship him underneath his star. Went on a little bit further, saw a woman whose son had died, came to the dead body, touched the stretcher. The young man got up, he turned him on. Oh yes, he did. Went on a little bit further. Lazarus was dead until the fourth day. Jesus called him by name. Lazarus, come forth. He turned him on. Oh, yes, he did. And the Bible says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, 
He is a new creature. I don't know about you, but when I met him, he turned my life around. Yes, but joy in my heart, running in my feet. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that I know Jesus. Jesus ascended back to heaven. He told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry until you are endued with power from on high. They went to Jerusalem and waited on the promise of the Father. And the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They heard a sound. I said, they heard a sound like as of a rushing mighty wind. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, do you hear anything? Tell him, neighbor, I hear a sound. Yes. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. The Bible says, they appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and they set upon each one of them. Fire showed up, light showed up in the upper room, and the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. John the Baptist said, there's coming one after me, mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so fire came down out of heaven, ignited the sacrifice on the altar. Fire was taken into the holy place, ignited the, the lampstand, ignited the lampstand. Fire came down on the day of Pentecost and symbolized the power and the might and the anointing that God sent down on them. My prayer is, Lord, I don't want any strange fire. Lord, I don't want false enthusiasm. Lord, I don't want to praise you in the flesh. I want to praise you in the spirit. Lord, send the fire. Lord, send the fire. Come on, stand up, everybody. Lift up that hand and say, Lord. Oh, Lord, we need the fire, the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need the fire, the fire of your power. We need the fire, the fire of your miracle-working anointing in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, praise him. Praise him. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. Tell three people, keep the fire burning. Keep the fire burning. Praise. I said praise keeps the fire burning. Thanksgiving keeps the fire burning. Spiritual worship keeps the fire burning. Spiritual song keeps the fire burning. Worship keeps the fire burning. Come on, let's keep the fire burning. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Yes! Oh! 
When the fire starts burning, folks start getting healed. When the fire starts burning, folks get delivered. When the fire starts burning, the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. When the fire starts burning, you can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. When the fire is burning, the power of God is manifest in the midst of the Lord's people. When the fire starts burning, the devil has got to go. When the fire starts burning, the chains began to fall. I don't know about you, but I hear some chains falling. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, your chains are falling. Praise him, praise him. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I dare you. I dare you to bombard heaven. I dare you to open your mouth as wide as you can. Throw your head back and shabbat God. I dare, I dare you to praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him, praise him, praise him, oh yeah. Yes, send the fire, do it again, do it again, do it again. You know, in my imagination, all they said was fire. That's all they knew in the Old Testament and knew. They just said fire. You know, we've seen some fire on the 4th of July. They call them fireworks. And they're red, blue, pink, green, every conceivable color, and they're awe-inspiring. They, but listen, I just don't believe that no matter how much we pay a fireworks company, I just don't believe that their fire is anything like the Lord's fire. And the Lord said, keep that fire burning. Come on, tell three people, keep the fire burning. The Holy Ghost is here right now. I said, the Holy Ghost is here right now. I said the Holy Ghost is here right now. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Someone in the house of God needs to know Jesus Christ. Someone in God's house needs to be saved. You've tried to find your way. You've stumbled in the darkness. Now you've heard that if you'll follow Jesus, you can have the light of life. I know there's a way that seems right to you. 
the end thereof are the ways of death. But this is the way. This is the life. And unless you've accepted God's word about your life, your destiny, the word promises that God will not be pleased. He will not bless you or keep you or sustain you. Someone in this room needs to say, Lord, I want to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I want to walk throughout all my life in your light. I want you to guide my footsteps as I traverse this pathway on earth. I want to be pleasing in your sight. If you'll accept Jesus. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. I'll come again, receive you unto myself. Where I am, there you might be. He loves you as you've never been loved. He died and rose from the dead. If he could rise from the dead, you need to entrust your life to him. That he might give you life eternal. If you're here today and you'd say, preacher, I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to have his light shining in my life for the rest of my life. If you're here, I want to pray for you. The Lord will receive you and accept you and make you his own dear child. Your life will never again be the same. He'll make a change. Oh, what a change he will make in your life. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. So if you would say, Brother Preacher, I want to know Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. The Bible says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, and you shall be saved. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will do that in your life. On this day, he'll transform your heart, your mind, your soul. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Just between you and God. If you would say, Preacher, I need God. I want to walk in the light. I want to be saved. Lift that hand so that I'll know to include you in this time of prayer. Pray for me, Preacher. Yes, I will. This moment is for you. You may never have another chance. This is your time, your day. I see those hands. Other hands should be lifted also. Ten more people need to respond and lift their hands. Say, I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. Dear Lord, I pray for those whose hands are uplifted. Thank you, dear Lord, that you've brought us here together, that you've revealed to us your word, and you've shown us, Lord, that you are the light of the world, that we can walk in that beautiful light. Thank you, dear Lord, for bringing us together and keeping us alive. Until this day, we love you and we seek you, dear Lord, Please come into our hearts, into my mind, into my soul. Save me, forgive me, cleanse me. Touch that person, dear Lord, that stands and that lifted their hand. I pray to God that you'll transform their lives so that they'll never, ever again be the same. Say this prayer after me, please, dear Lord. I'm sorry for all my sins. Please forgive me for the wrong I've been, the wrong I've done. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to be my Lord. I believe that he is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. 
I believe he rose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And I give my life to him. And I thank you, Lord. I am saved. I am forgiven. I have new life. Come on, lift up your voices and give praise to God. Give praise to God. Give praise to God. Give praise to God.